party people! Welcome to the first official episode of Konbini Pop, your anime quick stop. And what a great first episode this is. I'm so excited. I know. I know you are. <laughs> I, I'm also excited, but I'm sure nowhere near as excited as you are. I'm your host, Katarina. And I'm Leah. And we're, we're diving headfirst into this. Wait, before we even start talking about the main topic, if you're new here, because everyone is new here, Kombini Pop is an anime and manga podcast under the Poison Places production umbrella. We seek to edutain by educating and entertaining anime fans old and new through anime reviews. Every episode, you can expect us to review a show, talk a little bit about how it was created, talk a little bit about its impact on the anime industry or what influences that it has received. And we'll talk about the creator's impact on Japanese culture. If that sounds like it's for you, come back to Konbini Pop, stay here and listen. Now we can get to the meat of this. So our first episode, we will be reviewing Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5. Also known as Golden Wind or Vento Oreo. The thing that listeners, you're going to have to learn is that Katya has zero experience with anime. Correct. In fact, you may say that that is one of the main pillars of our show is that I know nothing. She's a little fetus and I'm coming in here and I'm going to, you know, show her all these shows and make her into a lifelong weeb like I am. Well. I guess we'll see about that part. I guess we'll see about that part. I'm going to try. So what we do is that we both watch a show, we create our own notes, and we just want to talk about it. And we've already started watching a few shows together, and I'm trying to really ease Katarina into certain anime tropes because, you know, old-timey weebs, you'll get this. Anime can be very strange. A lot of really weird things may happen. You may even say bizarre. Wow. And if you are someone who is unfamiliar with anime, you'll just be like, wow, these Japanese cartoons sure are crazy. Like, I don't want to watch this garbage. So, you know, you kind of try to ease people in with things like Cowboy Bebop, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, things that are, you know, a little bit more palatable to Western audiences that are completely unfamiliar with like those aspects of anime. But I was Boo Boo the Fool. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) I just, you know, made Katarina go headfirst into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but not just any part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We didn't start with Phantom Blood. We started with part five. I made Katarina a part skipper. I committed a mortal sin. I wouldn't consider it a mortal sin, but then again, I'm the part skipper. So I, I guess that makes me biased because uh, I'm, I'm the one committing the crime. You didn't skip parts. You've seen all of it. I've seen all of parts one through five. I only started watching part five at the request of two of my very close friends that are big JoJo stands because I'm gonna let you guys in a little secret. I didn't really like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It wasn't for me. No. I thought part one was really (laughs) slow. I hated part two. I don't like Joseph. Would you mind elaborating as to why a little bit? Just like one or two sentences. It just didn't interest me. I don't know. There was something about JoJo's when I was watching it. I was also watching the English dub on Adult Swim. That was my first exposure to it. So it could be potentially the dub aspect. I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling JoJo's when I was watching it. I saw part three. Part three was a little bit better. I really like Jotaro. 
He's my favorite uh, Joe star out of the whole family. Um, a lot of people think he's a Mary Stew, but you know what? He probably has PTSD and he's a really nice guy. All right. Sure. Defend Jotaro. <laughs> I know you have no concept, but you know, defend no. Jotaro. He's a good guy. I will defend him to the last. <laughs> and then I watched part four. Part four was more entertaining, but I it didn't really pick up until the second half with the Yoshikage Kira arc, which you don't know what I'm talking about, but he's a serial no. killer. Oh, all right. <laughs> Who keeps women's hands. Oh, well. That's all you have to know. Um, That's interesting. Okay. So my two close friends that are really big JoJo stands, they begged me to watch part five because I really like beautiful things and classic art and Italy. And my two close friends were like, look, part five has all those things. It's very different. The fashion is different. The music's different. Like you have to give it a chance. You're going to love it. And you know what? Part five, chef kiss. It was so good. And now I am a JoJo fan. And I went back and I rewatched part three and I rewatched them of part four. And I started reading the manga and I'm on, I'm in the middle of part six. You know what? I really appreciate JoJo's a lot more now. It's definitely a series that looking back on it improves over time. The writing gets better and better. And you can really see the heart that Araki puts into the series. And at the end of the day, there's a reason why this series has been running since 1987. I'm oh, a- I didn't know it had been going on for that long. Oh, yeah. It's super long running. We'll definitely get into that um, when we talk about the synopsis of the show. There is very clearly a reason why JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as an entire series is as influential as it is. And I'm willing to admit that I was Boo Boo the Fool. I was wrong. I had bad takes. They were cold <laughs> takes. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. I, I even I... watched all the OVAs immediately after we finished part five, which you don't know what OVAs are. Those are original video animations. And they're usually slightly higher quality than the actual animes that they reference. And so uh, we'll get into it at another time. But original video animations, just think of them as additional anime episodes done by different studios. Got it. You know, I gotta say, a lot of people hate the OVA for part three because Dio's Japanese voice actor isn't the same iconic one. But it was really good. It was so good. And I even cried when I saw Kakuyin die. Like, oh, it was so... Uh, Spoiler! (laughs) So, you know, these review episodes are going to be very spoiler heavy because we really can't get into reviewing the show without getting into spoilers. Fortunately, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I heard it described this way once. It is the only series that you can read spoilers and you can hear spoilers about it, but they don't make any sense without the context of the show. Just zero, zero sense. So I I would agree with that. So it doesn't matter if we spoil it for you, dear listeners, because I promise you, none of it will make sense unless you watch it in action. Yes. <laughs> Katarina, for your sake, I feel like I need to summarize decades worth of Dec- material for you. Wow. Well, I-, I would say that would be helpful. Yes. So because you're a part skipper, there were a lot of things, subtle things in part five, because part five is pretty removed from the main series and the main plot but there was some deep lore and some existing cameos that you really didn't understand and you really couldn't grasp the importance of when they appeared because they were a little bit more fan servicey even though one of the main plot elements of part five is related to something from part four but eh, they explained it well enough for you yeah 
I would say I didn't ever feel completely lost when I was watching part five. Like I, I, I understood what was happening. There were a couple of clarifying moments where I was like, oh, who's he? Why is that important? The story was pretty self-contained. And also JoJo's has been memed to death. So what you have some knowledge of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, correct? Like prior to um, watching part five? I, I knew that somehow it utilized the song Roundabout from the band yes there's there's a there's the guitar meme like where it's like da, na, 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 na. that was meme to death a few years ago so like i knew that the song is relevant i've seen memes of a character named prosciutto <laughs> i mean but prosciutto's in part five i want to say most of the memes i've seen have actually been about part five really yeah oh and of course like the stand like where the, the they're confronting each other meme where it's like they're both in very dramatic poses and like a show is gonna go down that's been memed to death, like with the, the very specific pose that I think that was basically my exposure. That was it. And you knew who Dio was, right? Like you knew of I, Dio? I knew of Dio. I had uh, I had cursory knowledge of Dio. I knew that he was supposed to be an antagonist. And that was it. That's all I knew about Dio. All right. Because you have to know who Dio is for part five, but really only for one specific plot point, which we'll get into later. Yes. The non-spoiler short synopsis of this entire series, if I could describe it in one sentence, is sexy psychic family bloodline of the Joestars has to fight and deal with the consequences of knowing the sexy psychic vampire Dio Brando. That's the See, entire series. That has absolutely nothing to do like with what I saw personally. I am astounded by by that. I feel like there's so much in that that I should be unpacking and yet it's almost like, nope. No, don't don't do this deep dive right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That has nothing to do with part five, but that is literally the entire theme of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. The Joe stars, ever since they met Dio, nothing but trouble. To make it very clear for you, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is an anime manga series that began in 1987, which follows the Joe Star family lineage. So this series is massive and it's currently broken up into eight parts and they go in chronological order. So it starts with Phantom Blood, then it's Battle Tendency, then it's Stardust Crusaders, Diamond is Unbreakable, Golden Wind, Stone Ocean, Steel Ball Run, and Jojo Lion, which is currently being updated. And all these names are irrelevant to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for Golden Wind, of course, because I know what that is. Is the series after Jojo Lion ends, will it be done or is, is it going to be continued? Araki will never finish Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So, <laughs> since I'm on Stone Ocean, I don't really know the context for what happens next, but I do know that it gets into alternate universe territory. Mm, okay. Uh, but I haven't spoiled Stone Ocean or Steel Ball Run or Jojo Line for myself, so I don't know how that happens. All I know is somebody has two sets of testicles. What? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, what? Let's, uh, yeah. let's back that one up. Who? One of the leads. I want to say it's it's the lead of Jojo Lion, but I'm not 100% sure because I've tried really hard not to spoil myself. And even if I read the Wikipedia, like I said earlier, it wouldn't make sense unless I actually read the manga. You know, Imagine, be imagine being that character. You know. Waking up. Making up one day, Joseph, Joseph, that's, that's, my God, look. That's not, that's, stop. I picked a Joe. I picked a Joe, Nick. Joseph, your balls, they've multiplied. Good it's, God. It's funny you're that right. you're using an English accent because the series starts in Victorian England in the 1880s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really funny you did sure, that. Sure, sure, of course. Dear, will you examine me, please? 
I think I've got another set of testicles. Yes, it appears that you have. Jonathan would never. Don't you dare. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan's a good boy. He is the only Joe star that I have not had canon as bisexual. He's the only straight okay. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me and one of my very close friends like to joke that all the Joe stars are bisexual. Yeah. Because, like, this show is just, like, brimming with homoeroticism. I mean, it's not necessarily homoerotic for you to ask your homie to look at your balls because you've grown another set of them. It's more like, hey, Holmes, this isn't normal, right? Like, you don't have two sets of testicles. No, I don't, bro. I think it's time for you to go to the hospital. Stop trying to meme this. We don't even know what's going on in Jojo Lion. That's beyond our scope. I know. It was pointing out that it doesn't have to be homoerotic, but I can see where one would assume that that is homoerotic. Um, if you watch Battle Tendency, Joseph and Caesar, it's a little bit... It's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit gay? A little bit. And Polnareff? Okay. I don't know what Polnareff is compensating for in Stardust Crusaders. Well, I know, I can assume I know what he's compensating for in Golden Wind. No! No! And it's everything. <laughs> oh, Polnareff! It's his whole body. Stop! <laughs> but we'll get there. So back to the synopsis of the series. The series begins in the 1880s. And the premise is that the big bad, Dio Brando, wanted to steal the first Joestar's family fortune, which is Jonathan Joestar. That's who the very first protagonist is. And Phantom Blood is essentially Dracula. The main character is named Jonathan. Dio becomes a vampire. He's a (sighs) bastard. There's a ship. There's a coffin. It's basically Dracula. Wow. Yeah. To give you a little bit of context, Dio is Jonathan's adopted stepbrother. And oh, that's that's sad. He's just a bastard. Like he just wants so- to take the Joestar family fortune. He kills Jonathan's dog. Like he's an ass. <gasps> the yeah. dog. Yeah. Dio's bad guy. It's almost like a reverse, uh, gender bent version of like Mina and Lucy. Because like Lucy was like a sister like figure to Mina in the original Dracula. So I think it's interesting that they've got like the the brother relationship instead of like the sister relationship so that's cool yeah you know it is a little bit like that i never thought of it that way that's kind of accurate in phantom blood in the process of dio trying to ruin jonathan's life just because dio is mean he's a jerk jonathan becomes friends with robert eo speedwagon and will a zapelli <sighs> and <laughs> zapelli teaches jonathan how to harness his psychic energy called hamon I said that in Spanish. It's Hamon. That's going to happen a lot. Okay. Next thing you know, they fight Dio. Dio's decapitated. But Dio, but Dio is an immortal vampire who lives. And then he kills Jonathan and takes his body. Oh! Oh! Okay, well, that doesn't end how I predicted. Well, in terms of vampire lore, usually beheading them works. So I'm a little like, oh, how did that happen? But I guess it's the psychic part that, uh, that prevents that. Look. All I know is, is that Jonathan was going to go live a happy life Mm -hmm. as a newly married man. Oh. And Dio just decapitates him and literally takes his body, replaces his head with his own head. Oh, so it's literally just a body swap. It's not even like, it's not even my soul has entered your body. No, no, no. No, it's a whole, whole head transplant. And that's really important to understand for part five. I, you've just answered a question that I was going to bring up, but I have a feeling you want me to sit on this, so I will. 
Well, we we could talk about it right now before we continue, oh. but yeah, Giorno Giovanna, spoiler alert, has two dads. I, I feel like that's cheating. Yes, it may be Dio's mind and soul, but whose DNA is it? It's Jonathan's sperm. It's all right. Exactly. I didn't want to say that. I wasn't going to be like... <laughs> Look, you find out in part five that even though Dio hates women and views them for food, he doesn't make love. He fucks. And wow. uh, yeah, he's using Jonathan's body and just making babies, apparently. And that's how we get to part five with Giorno Giovanna. And it's I, I, wild. I did love the fact that like he must have done something right because Giorno's mom had an autographed picture of Dio in her wallet. And isn't he, like, shirtless in the picture? Like, isn't yeah. it, like, a nude? Yeah. That must be such a flex to be that kind of a baby daddy, to be like, will I pay child support? Hell no. But here you go, babe. You can have this autographed picture Yeah, of my sweet abs. Have fun. And so apparently the manga goes into a little bit more detail regarding how Giorno's hair goes from being black to blonde. But that is also the explanation for why Giorno was born with black hair, because Jonathan has black hair. Okay. And also, sexy Dio Brando is not really Dio's body. That's Jonathan's body that's all cheeked up, clapping his way around Egypt. Oh, no. All right? That's it's, not Dio's body. It's really, it's really Jonathan's ass cheeks alerting the pyramids to his presence. You oh, know, poor Jonathan. They ha they had no business making Dio Brando that fine in part three. But you know what? It's not really Dio. It's no. Jonathan. We gotta give him his due. What a thief! Dio's like Dio's kind of like an incel. You're not taking wrong. Credit, You're taking not. credit for that sweet Chad Joe body. <laughs> You're not wrong. And like I've looked it up. He is dummy thick. I feel so bad for Jonathan. His wife must have been so crushed for, for at least two reasons. At least two reasons. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Putting that aside, this is just the setup for everything. <laughs> Wild. And Araki, when he was creating Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, he originally envisioned it as a trilogy. So parts one through three were meant to be the whole story. And... Part three ends in 1988. So you see, it still traverses 100 years. Of time. Okay. And it was supposed to end with Jonathan's, I think it's great grandson. I get confused if it's great, great or great grandson. Either way, he was, he kills Dio at the end of part three. I think, you know, I don't know if Dio comes back at any point, but you know, he hasn't so far for me, but okay. Dio, Dio dies at the end of part three, which is kind of what sets the stage for parts four and part five to be so different. Because even though Dio's gone, the Jojos are being plagued by the consequences of Dio still being alive at any point in time and him dealing with other psychic individuals. And part three is particularly important because that's what introduces the concept of stands, which is arguably what the show is most known for. And stands are physical representations representations of psychic energy araki created them because it thought he thought it would lead to more visually interesting fights instead of hamon which hamon was a little bit more abstract okay so so we went from like professor x like putting my fingers to my forehead and like like doing that kind of a thing to like oh a physical fight that we get to watch yeah essentially okay for, for lack of a better word but that's kind of what makes part three so important because not only does it end with the death of Dio, but it's iconic because it introduces this major element 
that this series is now known for. There are now more parts of JoJo's with stands than there were with the Hamon aspect of it. So again, like as you watch or you read JoJo's, there's a few themes that you kind of see over and over again. And specifically, Araki has stated that he doesn't like when heroes have empathy for villains, which is why Dio and all the major bad guys to follow, because parts four and part five have different major villains, are such irredeemable bastards. <laughs> I can only speak for like the parts that I've seen, but I agree completely. And like yeah. even the side antagonists are just, they're also uh, scummy. There were times I was sitting there going, why won't you die? I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> yeah, Araki really likes it when his villains work their best at just being evil. And I love that. I love an unapologetically evil villain. Yeah, I think like, I feel like Western culture has gotten away with away from that in storytelling like i don't know why because it's it's really nice to just have somebody that it's like okay we all hate this guy right great and then <laughs> that is it this was refreshing to see i miss i miss just evil for the sake of evil yeah like in part five diavolo he's just like i want to kill my daughter and anyone who knew me before i became the bossu oh oh he's a bastard he's just such a fucking bastard yeah I thought actually that like when they were building up the boss, like when they were really building up before, like we knew what to expect. I was like, okay, he's probably, he's probably just like this mysterious enigmatic figurehead. And maybe he's got some like Marlon Brando and the Godfather vibe. No, no, no. He's just an asshole, like unequivocally, nothing redeemable about him. He was a bastard from day one, like of his birth bastard. Yeah. But Diavolo's also fun. Although I like Dopio better. <laughs> We'll get into that. Yeah. Yes. Mushy mushy basu. Oh my gosh. To talk a little bit about Hirohiko Araki, he is the man, the myth, the legend, the creator of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and we could create an entire podcast episode just about him, his philosophies with his artwork, his philosophies when it comes to creating manga, you know, that whole process, but we don't have that kind of time. So I'm going to no. give you some quick fun facts that I learned about him from watching some of his interviews. And my favorite fact is that his favorite food is spaghetti. I don't know why, but that just like makes me smile. That's that's wholesome. Yeah, it's just that's it's wholesome. really wholesome. He also denies this, but he really ha he genuinely has a self insert character in part four named Rohan, who is a bastard. But I love Rohan. <laughs> Rohan is a metiche. So if you're a Spanish speaking listener, you know what I mean? Like Rohan is a metiche. He's a little bit snarky and he constantly swears that Rohan isn't a self insert. But Rohan's profession is a mangaka. So he creates manga for a living rohan stands its name is heaven's door Ooh. and his ability is literally he rips your skin off your face and your face becomes a book and then he can learn all of your secrets and he can write in your face you know things that will change your personality in your life and the reason you know rohan is a self-insert isn't just that oh yeah rohan's a mangaka so they share that in common no He's literally gone on record and said that Heaven's Door is his favorite stand and that he wishes he could open people's heads and read their minds. So I don't know who Araki is trying to fool, but we all know that Rohan is his little self-insert. And you know what? I appreciate that. I appreciate Araki. Yeah. And so Araki also has this personal manga studio and it's where he works directly with his team. It was just so interesting to watch it in an interview 
So I saw one interview where the host actually got to go inside and he has this huge wall of reference materials that looks like a literal library. Oh, and for reference, you could look up photos of it, but it looks like an apartment. It literally, it literally looks like my apartment. And when you walk in, the first thing you see is a big wall of books and then all these desks side by side. And he likes to work directly with his team. It's really sweet and communal. Like they all kind of sit together in cubicles. And it's really nice to see that, you know, this extremely famous and influential person doesn't have his head up his ass and works communally with his team. Another thing that I noticed is that when he was going through his reference materials, he had this big book on Michelangelo's work. I also have that book. So it was just oh, kind of funny. I was that like, makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense when you look at like his character design. Now that you've told me that. Oh, yeah. I could see when they were flashing over his reference materials. He had a bunch of books on the Renaissance artists. And I think I also saw one of Leonardo da Vinci's. There's like this large Leonardo da Vinci book. Anybody who really likes art will know the book I'm talking about. It's it's really big and it has a black cover. It has, uh, what's the sketch? I think it's the sketch of Leonardo da Vinci's final piece, the one that we saw at the Uffizi. Yes. Okay. And I saw that book too. And then there was another one that I made a specific mental note saying, wow, he has like all these classical art books from these major... Um, painters that you know real art snobs have you can see the influence of the renaissance painters in his work it's like very 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 apparent so just i could go on and on about iraqi but i highly recommend that you look at some of his interviews they're all they're all on youtube just put in hirohiko iraqi interview and you'll see them and you'll see how they change over time but the one thing that stays the same is that he just seems like this extremely humble man that just wants to draw really evil bad guys giving really good people a hard time. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. Seeing all of this, there's no doubt that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is this extremely influential juggernaut of a series. You know, for example, there's been official Gucci collab. JoJo is known for its fashion and the influence of Vogue. And to think that Hirohiko Araki got Gucci to create the Rohan Kishibe Goes to Gucci exhibition or the Jolene Fly High Gucci campaign, there are official suits for part five. There's a Giorno Giovanna suit that's $500 or was. I'm sure it's more expensive now. But when it was released in Japan and a Bruno Bucciarati suit, that's like this nice pinstripe suit with the spoon pattern in the jacket. But do they have the titty windows? No, they're not like costumes, Katarina. They're I mean, like you can have a suit with a titty window if you were brave enough. You're not going to buy a business suit with a titty window. <laughs> These are like suits you could wear to court. Okay, well, I'm just saying, Gucci, like you could have done it. You could have. You didn't. I understand that they're not practical, but but still. Just go to Maiko, not Maiko. Is it Maiko? Maika costumes? Go to Maika costumes and buy the cheap Giorno Giovanna titty window costume. If you really want to have the titty windows out. I don't want it for myself. I want to see uh, men in suits walking around with titty windows. Is Is it a crime to want something innovative? In, in daily fashion. <laughs> bring back titty windows for men and bring back crop tops for men. And bring back short shorts for men. Yes. yes. Bring back short shorts for men. Yep. We want to see it. We demand it. Aside from fashion, you know, you can see the influence of Araki's work in other anime manga. So for example, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is pretty much JoJo's bizarre adventure for children. Because it is? Yeah. <laughs> 
especially the manga the anime not as much because it got really heavily censored in the localization by four kids but okay for Yu-Gi-Oh is essentially Jojo's Bizarre Adventure for Children you have people fighting with psychic monsters the absurd stakes going higher and higher really weird mm-hmm. and unique powers that happen and then you know there's the whole Egypt aspect to it and like ancient aspects that kind of come in in the later parts of Yu-Gi-Oh. They're very, very similar, and you can just kind of see the parallels. And also, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is this huge meme, all right? It's been memed to death. Like, Giorno's theme? That's just, like, all over the place. I knew what Giorno's theme was before I even watched part five. I didn't even know that was a JoJo's reference. For God's sake, is it a JoJo's reference? Is a meme. Oh, God. <laughs> That's true. It is. Yeah. So it's just JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, this huge juggernaut of a series. And I'm really happy that I was able to, you know, watch part five with you. And even though you didn't have this entire context, it was still enjoyable, right? Yeah. No, I feel like I didn't miss too much, honestly. Like, I think it was, like I said, uh, a pretty self-contained uh, story from the first to the 39th episode. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really beautifully animated. Everything about it was really fun. All right, then. So now it's finally, after all of this setup, we can talk about da 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 Fighting goals! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm woken up with that song in my head and it's very frustrating it was such a good opening theme it was so good it was it was it it so appropriately set the tone i thought it was like the perfect action opener um i i was a little bummed when it changed halfway through i'm gonna be honest i really liked fighting goals that's really common for anime so now that you're new and you're entering this world mm-hmm. as so shows that are usually longer than 12 episodes are broken up into different seasons and when the seasons change the opening and endings change so that's just something I for guess. your frame of reference so yeah unfortunately <laughs> that's another thing i really liked the ending for that first season i guess we'll call it i <laughs> freaking you that was great oh my god that was the, that o- was- the opening scene was like yeah let's fight some bad guys and then the ending theme was like yeah, let's fuck. It was way too horny. It was way too horny for what was going on. Like, uh, unless we count, like, the the natural growth of homoeroticism between brothers in, like, warrior sense. Like, like the Spartans, if you will. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it, like, if we're talking about that. But, I mean, like, there was not a lot of, in my opinion, sexual tension throughout this part. So, in a way, like, uh, freaking you came out of nowhere. Because I was like, who is this horny? No one here is this horny. Except, perhaps, Bucciarati for his like passion of being a capo a capo and that was it (laughs) like he was really passionate about being a capo and Giorno was really passionate about being a gang star um hi Giorno Giovanna have a dream to become a gang star yeah (laughs) and like I understood the, the passion but not on the level of I want to like have coitus with my dreams like no 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 it that's- was a big like tone shift. If you haven't seen part five, you'll understand what we mean. If you just watch one episode, it really is kind of like a you gotta do a double take and just go, What? what yeah. That said, that song is fire. So that's something else about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. The ending themes are usually an English song. 
which is how you get the roundabout song and you get walk like an egyptian okay honestly i i feel like walk like an egyptian as an ending theme was really fun for Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, yeah, I feel, but I feel like that's just like such a fun song in and of itself that like if it's used, it's like yes, good job, hundred percent, a plus. Yeah, and something that we didn't talk about earlier that is one of my favorite aspects about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which I think is ironically enough related to your other podcast, Rhapsody and Reverie. Mm-hmm. It's very heavily influenced by western music and western culture and i love the fact that characters are named after american bands and that american music is thrown in there because it's really it's really exciting and it's fun to see that reference and just point and go i know that band i know that song (laughs) yeah i was shocked because i i think that was like a selling point when you were trying to get me to watch the show with you where you were like oh you're you're really gonna like it because there's there's all this reference to like popular music and i think you really enjoy it because you're a music lover and i was like okay where's this coming from like where is this gonna go like i i didn't have a lot of expectations in that regard but then they they really like just started immediately <laughs> sticky fingers moody blues uh, king crimson i was i was floored every time i recognized something yeah and you know robert neo <laughs> speedwagon the speedwagon foundation <laughs> yeah uh when i when i heard that line especially with like the zero context that i had i burst out laughing i was like the what now yeah <laughs> So what now? Um, and and you missed Vanilla Ice. Uh did I miss it or did I you missed, did I get lucky? No, you I'm missed Vanilla Ice getting decapitated and becoming a vampire. What? <laughs> you gotta watch part three. I, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Well, all right. Let's say I missed it. But anyway. <laughs> but even without watching part three, part five again is just really distinct from the rest of the series because you can dive directly into it with very little knowledge and you're gonna be fine the really key plot points from other series that you kind of miss in your watch through specifically is that you know in the first few episodes there are characters that appear that are in part three and part four so i think in the very first episode koichi appears that's the kid that comes out of the airport and he's like Mm -hmm. i'm looking for this japanese man in italy and koichi is a character that's introduced in part four and he's a stand user and through the events of part four he essentially works for the speedwagon foundation and assists jotaro in whatever jotaro's doing and jotaro is a protagonist of part three and he appears again in part four and then he appears again in part six, which is the one I'm reading right now with his daughter. But we're not even going to get into that. But what you really kind of need to understand is what the Speedwagon Foundation is. So Robert Eo Speedwagon establishes the Speedwagon Foundation at the end of uh, Phantom Blood. And the Speedwagon Foundation focuses on medical research, environmental conservation. But it also kind of just tangentially helps the Joestars whenever they need backup in any kind of situation it's essentially a deus ex machina in the jojo wow all right yeah and they kind of also study supernatural phenomena so there's they have a lot of inherent knowledge about the stands because i didn't read the manga for part five i'm not really sure if the speedwagon foundation gets any more mention other than Jotaro is investigating giorno giovanna as a part of all that but then that kind of just gets thrown away you know, like Koichi's in a couple episodes, but then once, you know, Giorno finally joins Passione, like that's kind of it. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't, you never hear from him again. 
Yeah, I don't remember if Koichi actually shows up again. If he shows up again, he's probably like in a in a random scene. No, but- I don't. I, to my to my memory, he never shows up ever again. And I was just like, where'd that guy go? Didn't didn't matter. Koichi's a good boy, though. He's a good boy. The two important things, or really the three important plot points that you need to know going into part five, is that Dio is. Giorno Giovanna's dad, and that he is technically related to the Joe Stars. Something I also didn't mention earlier is that all the protagonists, the reason it's called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is because all their names are Joe, Joe. So you have Jonathan, Joe Star, Joseph, Joe Star. You have Joe Taro, <laughs> Joe Ske, Jolene Kujo, Giorno Giovanna. He's technically not a JoJo. He's technically a Gio Gio. But like in Italian, it's the equivalent to Joe. You're not wrong. But he's yeah, technically like, a Geo Geo. Oh, he's a Dio Dio. Oh no. Yes. Yes. It's oh a, no. It's a mix. I feel like I've uncovered forbidden knowledge I was not meant to know. <laughs> so that's kind of important. And I don't know if that was on purpose, if Giorno's name was actually spelled that way to kind of indicate that he's both a Brando and a Joe Star. I don't know. Cause because like Giovanni is like an Italian variation of Joseph. Like that's what Giovanni is. And Giorno is is not really a name in Italian. It just means day. So I thought that was interesting. And maybe like a symbolic of he's the bright new day for, for the mob. Oh, that was definitely symbolic. So Giovanna is like a variation of like Giovanni. So like he's still a Jojo, but also uh, (laughs) he's the unholy blend of Jonathan and Dio. So, so fucked up. The other major point that you also missed going in is the concept of stand arrows. So they're introduced in part four and the stand arrows can grant people stand powers. And in part five, you find out that a character from part three, Enya the Hag, received one of these arrows from Diavolo when he uncovered them. And that's how Dio got his stand powers, if I'm correct. I believe that's it. But the stand arrows, at least for the purposes of part five, there's one special one that can enhance your stand powers. Yes. So as soon as I saw the arrow in the opening credits, I was like, aha, I know what that is. That's gonna, that's how they're gonna save the day. That's how everything is gonna end. Because (laughs) surprise tool that'll help us later. (laughs) Because the opening and ending credits were incredibly symbolic, looking back at it. (laughs) They really were. And actually, now that you've brought up the credits, because I know you and I were going crazy, because that one statue in the original intro, like from the first half of the the show, it looks like a piece of art that I have seen in Italy. Of the statue of Lao, Lao Kun, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a, it's based on a Greek myth. It's the statue with a, a guy trying to keep a snake away from biting him. Uh, it's a very famous statue. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But I didn't realize that that art was also a reference to the album art from Holy Diver by the band Dio. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know that either. So I feel like there was like this this very... um. Like it, it both drew on like the classical art, but also haha pop culture reference. And I mean, the offspring of Dio is the main focus on here, and that that statue is like the first thing you see. So I think that's pretty interesting. Wow, look, I didn't realize me. that. <laughs> look at that. Look at, You're yeah. teaching me. <laughs> I didn't even know. I guess 
should should we really dive into like the plot of Golden Wind? I blanked completely on how to pronounce it in Italian, so I didn't even try. It's Vento Arero, but now that you mention it, that's where we're going to end. And tune okay. in next time for part two when we discuss the actual series because, wow, there was so much we had to recap just to build up so that you listeners can understand what JoJo Bizarre Adventure is actually about. Yep. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, that this is crazy. That's it for our first episode, and we already have a two-parter. That's that's the best way to way to kick it off. I mean, you didn't come here for the little little tiny morsels. You came here for a big anime meal. Oh my god. <laughs> Katarina, you don't even know what you're in for long term. True, true. But yeah, tune in next time where we will actually take you headfirst into Giorno Giovanna land. And his rise to becoming a gangstar. And we're going to talk about our thoughts on all the episodes. And we're going to have some fun, you know, discussing some fan stands. Because it takes place in 2001. And there were some bands that I thought could have been represented. I'm just saying. I know Rocky likes Prince. But come on. It's 2001. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Thank you for everyone for tuning in to listening to the first episode of Konbini Pop, your anime quick stop. Socials will be in the description accompanying the podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of Jojo Bizarre Adventure. And also, if you're feeling up for some more podcast content, go check out my other podcast, Rhapsody and Reverie, where I host the show with my friend Adrian Beckham and... If you like music, and I'm assuming that JoJo lovers like music, you, you'd you get a, a kick out of it. So yeah, while you're waiting for next week's anime episode, go listen to that. I'm your host, Katarina. And I am your host, Leah, signing off. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye.